Hello, friends, and welcome to the Imago Nutrition Podcast. My name is Mark, and this is the podcast where we answer your questions and give you practical nutrition strategies to help you and your family flourish. I am flying solo today, so no Danielle. Sorry if that disappoints you. Um, she is uh, definitely an asset, and I always look forward to us being able to speak to some topics together, but today you're stuck with just me. Um, and so if you can put up with me for a little while, um, would love to talk about a new umbrella review. We'll talk about what that is just real quick in a second. Um, about a bit of a, a tough topic. Okay. It's, it's never easy. Let's just um, come out the gate saying it's never easy to talk about cancer. Uh, but what I do love talking about is ways to reduce the risk of cancer. Okay. And so if you are someone who is looking for um, nutritional strategies to reduce your risk of cancer, specifically on this episode, colorectal cancer. Uh, this is going to be an informative and hopefully very practical uh, episode for you. Um, and so with that, if you have any questions related to nutrition or uh, maybe even fitness or healthy lifestyle in general, uh, feel free to send those to us. The way that you can do that is by going to our website, Imago Nutrition, that's I-M-A-G-O Nutrition dot com slash podcast. We've got a little form right there. Very easy to fill out. You can just punch in your question. If it's something that you've heard or you're wondering about, or you want us to clarify for you, uh, you can just submit that form and it will send that inquiry to us. And we will consider that as a topic for a future podcast episode. <clears throat> and so with that, as I mentioned, uh, never, never easy to talk about cancer. However, I hope that this is encouraging in a sense that there are things that we can do to reduce the risk of cancer. And so, as I said, specifically, we're going to be talking about colorectal cancer. Okay. Um, and as I understand it, this is uh, an increasing um, diagnosis um, that we have here in the West. According to uh, the CDC, cancer is the second leading cause of death after heart disease, which you often hear me refer to that quite a bit in our work. Um, heart disease is number one. Cancer is number two um, in the United States. And colorectal cancer specifically is the second leading cause of cancer death. And so um, all that's to say it is uh, very prevalent um, in that sense. And, um, and, and cancer, again, of course, is a scary thing to approach as a topic. <clears throat> many people have dealt with this diagnosis. And many of us are um, wondering, myself included, and working toward optimizing our health, things like nutrition and fitness, to stave off the possibility as much as we can. And so um, all that said, fortunately, there is a new umbrella review. So what they did is that they reviewed an umbrella review is where they're going to review <clears throat> a certain set of studies. And in this umbrella review, they took a look at 45 meta-analysis or meta-analyses. Okay. So, so two things. One, they're doing a study of, or they're doing a review of meta-analyses, 45 of them. And those meta-analyses, keep in mind, are in and of themselves studies of studies, okay? So this was a review of 45 studies of studies, all right? And a meta-analysis is the highest form of scientific evidence that we have uh, by which we can establish what we call good or sound practice, okay? 
So there's a, there's a pyramid. We won't go into that, but there's a pyramid of, um, um, a hierarchy, if you will, or a pyramid. I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking of a graphic in my mind. There's a hierarchy of scientific evidence. And at the top of that is a meta analysis, right? Because any study can have bias, it can have issues, it can have flaws. And so when you take some of the best studies and you review them all, you're able to extra extrapolate truths that are found across multiple, multiple, multiple studies. And so you have, you can never completely eliminate bias uh, or error, but a meta-analysis is one of the best ways to uh, take a look at a topic or a subject and extrapolate um, the truth found across many, many studies. So all that's to say, this was an umbrella review of 45 meta-analyses, um, and it found convincing evidence for an association between a lower risk of colorectal cancer and specifically five dietary factors, okay? <clears throat> and real quick, let me give you the name of the study if you wanna look this up. As always, we are evidence-based in our approach, so you don't have to take my word for it. I don't recommend just taking my word for it. You can look up this umbrella review yourself. The title of it is Role of Diet in Colorectal Cancer Incidents, an umbrella review of meta-analyses of prospective observational studies, okay? If you didn't have a chance to write this down, that down, um, you can just simply Google PMID, PMID, and then here's a long number, 335-91366. Just Google that PMID in and of itself, and you will be able to pull up this study. Again, PMID, 335-9136. Six. That will take you directly to what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, or if you're a busy person like most of us are and you're just looking for a summation, a summary, a recap, um, I will give that to you here. And so based on the findings of that umbrella review, here are the five nutrition strategies to help you lower your risk of colorectal cancer. Number one, increased fiber intake or higher intakes of fiber was associated with a lower risk of colorectal cancer. Okay. So again, explicitly stated higher intakes of dietary fiber is associated per this umbrella review with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. So in general, so what does that mean for you? In general, the recommended daily fiber intake depends on calorie intake. Uh, but to simplify things, the USDA gives us guidelines based on basically two factors, age and sex. Okay, so here are the USDA's dietary guidelines for Americans, adults, um, suggest that uh, if you are a man, 50 and younger, so I'm 42 at the time of this recording, this is me, we are to um, intake 31 to 34 grams of fiber per day. So men 50 years and younger, 31 to 34 grams of fiber per day. Men age 51 and older, 28 grams of fiber per day is recommended. Okay, ladies, if you are 50 and younger, 25 to 28 grams of fiber is considered optimal for your intake. And if you're a woman age 51 and older, 22 grams of fiber per day. Okay. And so real quick, uh, wanted to just give you a rundown, a list of foods. Some of you may be thinking, okay, well, that's well and good. Oh, and by the way, 95% of Americans do not get enough fiber. Okay. And I, I sort of joke the 5% that do, we don't just 
think we get enough fiber, we know we get enough fiber because we actually track it. So if you think you get enough fiber, chances are you do not. I'm sorry. Okay. Chances are you are part of the 95% of Americans that does not, do not get enough fiber. Um, and again, this is just my anecdote. The 5% of us that do, it's because we're focused and we track and we understand exactly our intake uh, for uh, fiber as well as other nutrients. So, but you may be saying, okay, but where do I get fiber? And so, uh, as you know, we teach that you may know, uh, we teach something called the four pillars of nutrition. Okay. I won't go into that, but essentially the first pillar is lean meat, seafood, and dairy. The second pillar is fruits and veggies. The third pillar is whole grains. The fourth pillar is nuts and seeds. So clearly the first pillar, lean meat, seafood, and dairy, uh, gives us a predominant sources of protein. The other three, okay, um, are terrific sources of fiber. So fruits and veggies, whole grains, nuts and seeds. So anytime you're sourcing fresh fruit and veggies, um, well, I shouldn't say fresh, like you can be frozen, could be canned, uh, but fruit and veggies, uh, whole grains, nuts and seeds, you're going to get um, a, a terrific amount of fiber. But I want to give you kind of a rundown of some exact foods for that. And so here is a non-existent list, a non-exhaustive list, sorry, um, of fiber rich foods to consider preferring more of in order to achieve your optimal fiber intake. So I'm going to rattle these off real quick, if you don't mind. And, it, and uh, I think I've got it in alphabetical order. So um, here we go. Apples, artichoke hearts, avocados, bananas, beans, beets, berries, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, carrots, chia seeds, chickpeas, dried fruit. This includes like figs, prunes, dates, edamame, lentils, nuts, oats, pears, potatoes, quinoa, split peas, and whole grains. All right. So that's a list of some high fiber foods. It's not the only foods uh, that contain fiber by any means, but going back up to those four pillars, remember fruits and veggies, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. Okay. So that's the first strategy um, because higher intake of fiber is associated with lower risk of colorectal cancer. Increasing your fiber intake is uh, the first, um, per this umbrella review, it's the first nutritional strategy <clears throat> that we would recommend to reduce, to reduce that risk. All right. So increased fiber intake. And again, 95% of Americans would do well for many, 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 many reasons. And not the least of which is reducing the risk of cancer to increase fiber intake. All right. So that's number one, increase your fiber intake. Number two, increase calcium intake. All right. So stated clearly, higher intakes of dietary calcium is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. So similar to fiber, calcium, the amount of calcium depends on your age and your sex. We'll just talk about adults real quick. Uh, we won't get into, you know, kids or if you're pregnant, if you have any questions about that, just reach out. We can give you uh, even more fine tuned recommendation. But the average daily recommended amount of calcium for adults is as follows. So if you're an adult, uh, 18 or 19 to up to 50 years old, you want to be shooting for 1000 milligrams of calcium per day. Okay. Uh, if you are an adult male, 51 to 70 years old, you want to be targeting that 1000 milligrams. If you're an adult woman, 51 to 70 years old, you want to be targeting 1200 milligrams. And all adults um, ages 71 and older want to be targeting 1,200 milligrams. So the, the simplest way to say this is 
all of us adults should really be somewhere around a thousand to 1200 milligrams of calcium at the minimum. Okay. So, um, you, you, you know, if, if you're in that thousand range, you know, you're an adult 19 to 50, you can certainly do 1200. We could just call it 1200 and say, uh, virtually all adults should be targeting 1200. <clears throat> uh, but specifically, you know, 19 to 50, you're at a thousand men, 51 to 70, you're at a thousand women, 51 to 70, you're at 1200 and all adults 71 and older are at 1200. All right. So here are some foods. You might be saying the same thing. All right. Well, what are some foods that are high in calcium? You may be thinking dairy immediately and that's okay. Um, that is certainly a source. That is part of why we have lean meat, seafood, and dairy as a part of our first pillar of nutrition. Uh, but there are non-dairy foods uh, and dairy foods that are higher in calcium. So I'm going to give a list. Again, I think I've got this in alphabetical order. Um, and um, <clears throat> so I'll give you a list and you'll notice some are dairy, some are not. Some may surprise you, others will not, and that's okay. All right. So here are some foods that are relatively high in calcium. Almonds, amaranth, beans, canned salmon, specifically canned salmon, salmon, cheese, edamame, figs, leafy greens, lentils, milk, you know, and even plant-based, you know, um, you know, I, we actually drink almond milk in our family. Uh, I'm not opposed to dairy or anything like that by any means. I preach it, but I prefer almond milk. There's, uh, other types of milk out there, uh, not just cow's milk. Um, so milk in general, <coughs> rhubarb, sardines, seeds in general, tofu, whey protein. Sometimes that surprises people, uh, and yogurt. All right. And so though that's a list of foods, again, with the intent of increasing calcium intake, because we see a higher intake of calcium does is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. And so I ended on yogurt and speaking of yogurt, it was interesting that of these five associations, this was a specific food that was found um, to reduce the risk of colorectal cancer. So one of the, the uh, very specific associations in this umbrella review was that higher intakes of yogurt specifically, okay, was identified um, as being associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. So couple tips. I'm, I'm a huge yogurt fan. Uh, I have Greek yogurt every, virtually every morning. I love a, a dairy parfait. Uh, it's usually my breakfast along with some berries. Some, I've been doing a little bit of honey recently. I also sprinkle in some chia seeds from time to time. Um, I just, I just, and sometimes I put oats in there. It depends on how I want to do it, but Lots of different ways you can do um, a, a yogurt bowl. Um, so I'm a big fan of this. Um, but in general, we recommend um, leaning into a couple more nuances or a couple nuances as it relates to your yogurt selection. Okay. So number one is we're looking for low or non-fat yogurt. Okay. There's a whole, you know, basis of understanding as to why in general, we want to keep that saturated fat low for many, many reasons. So when you're looking at yogurts, we want to be steering and guiding yourself toward those low fat or non-fat options. I do non-fat Greek yogurt every morning, virtually every morning. Um, <clears throat> we want to find some that are low in added sugar. All right. So uh, a great exercise, I won't give you an exact answer, not that there is one, but a great exercise is to go take a look at some of the Greek yogurt, some of the different yogurt options. Uh, at the grocery store and just start turning them around. All right. Take a look at that added sugar line uh, and take a look at which ones are lower and which ones are higher and start to familiarize yourself with that. But in general, we want to look for low fat, non-fat. We want to look for those that are low in added sugar. We want to pick one that is contains three or more probiotics. All right. So check the nutrition label for that. 
Those should be listed there. You want at least three probiotics. Um, and if possible, uh, not all the yogurts that I choose are uh, this fourth one, um, but if they're fortified with vitamin D, that's terrific as well. Vitamin D can be a little tough uh, to get um, through the natural course of your nutrition. Of course, we know that the sun interacts with our body and can help manufacture that vi vitamin D. So that's an important part. Um, but um, receiving some of that vitamin D via nutrition is um, advantageous as well. Okay. And so again, number three is increasing your yogurt intake if you're not lactose intolerant or anything like that. So we do see that increased yogurt intake is associated with a lower risk of colorectal cancer. Okay. And so we've talked about number one, increasing fiber, number two, increasing calcium, number three, increasing yogurt intake. The second two are about decreasing something in your nutrition. Okay. So, uh, think of the first three as you know, sort of offensive, you're pursuing more of those. And, uh, as you pursue more of good foods, more of these nutrients, there are some things, uh, that we want to, um, reduce or decrease in order to stave off the risk of colorectal cancer. Okay. Now the first one is going to be hard for some of you to hear. Okay. Uh, but it's decreasing red meat intake. Okay. Now, am I opposed to red meat? Not a chance. Okay. Uh, I consume red meat once, twice a week, uh, like clockwork. Okay. Big fan. Uh, red meat is incredibly nutrient dense. Okay. In general, we want to be taking a look at some of those leaner cuts of red meat. So cuts that have tip, top, loin, round, those sort of words in them. Right. So try tip, um, eye of round, uh, that sort of pork loin. Etc. And so when it comes to red meat, we do want to be looking for those lower uh, or leaner cuts of red meat. Okay. But suffice it to say, lower intakes of red meat is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. Okay. So what constitutes quote lower intake of red meat exactly? Um, I'll be honest. There's no, there's currently no specific authoritative recommendation for daily or even weekly red meat intake. That's just being honest. Okay. There's no specific authoritative recommendation. I've got a little quote here. So as the American Cancer Society puts it, quote, it is not known if there is a safe level of consumption for either red or processed meats. In the absence of such knowledge, while recognizing the amount of increased risk isn't certain, the ACS recommends choosing protein foods such as fish, poultry, beans, and, and beans more often than red meat. And for people who eat processed meat products to do so sparingly, if at all. Okay. So, so two things here. So we've got red meat and we've got processed meats in general, you want to minimize, and I'll be honest, if not mostly, mostly, uh, remove processed meats from your nutritional regimen, <clears throat> red meat, um, not nearly as concerning as processed meats, but we need to take it in context. It needs to be put in its proper place. Okay. So again, not into anti-red meat, I consume uh, red meat. In fact, to, today at the day of this recording, I had brisket tacos for lunch. Okay. Now that might be the one or one of two times that I consume red meat this week. Um, and so all that's to say, not opposed to it. However, uh, we consistently see in scientific research and literature that overconsumption of red meat can become problematic. And that's what we're talking about. So all that's to say practically, you know, it, it's sort of like, okay, then Mark, what is the recommendation? There's no authoritative specific, this, that, and the other. <clears throat> chances are, chances are 
the most practical recommendation I can give you is to eat less meat, red meat than you currently do. Okay. So not that I'm the example, I'm an anecdote. Uh, I'm not a perfect model of anything, but what would it look like to consume red meat? Maybe once, maybe twice a week. Okay. Um, where does that fit in with your current nutritional regimen? It's a question you just got to kind of ask yourself. All right. Because we do see that a lower intake of red meat is associated. Doesn't mean no intake, but lower uh, intake of red meat is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. Okay. And so that's number four. And number five, the fifth nutritional strategy that you can deploy to reduce your risk of colorectal cancer is decreasing your alcohol intake. Okay. Now, if you've been following, you know that this is something that I have been um, working on in my own life. Um, I have recently gone not completely alcohol free, but alcohol minimum. Okay. And so I do uh, now I, I consume alcohol rarely. Uh, when I do, I generally keep it. Um, I, I think I've maybe had like, it's, it's middle of the year, 2023. Um, I've had, you know, a few drinks uh, here and there. And we did a family vacation. I had a couple more than normal uh, throughout the course of that week. Um, but now I maybe have a drink or two every couple months. Okay. So all that's to say, uh, decreasing alcohol intake um, for, for this and so many other reasons um, is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. And so a couple stats, not to spook you, not to scare you. And by the way, I have done an entire episode um, on tips for going alcohol free. Um, and that doesn't mean you can never have alcohol again. I'm not currently in a place where I'm never consuming alcohol. However, I am severely minimizing on purpose for many, many, many reasons, health reasons, physiological reasons, mental reasons, um, production or productivity reasons, etc. Okay. So all that's to say, here's just a couple stats. Um, in 2023, there was a meta-analysis that um, took a look at almost 5 million participants. I don't know if you know what 5 million means. It means incredibly statistically significant. Okay. And it concluded that there are zero health benefits to even low volume alcohol consumption. Zero. Okay. That's something that I had to come to grips with. Zero. Okay. And there's a lots of reasons why there's this misconception. We don't have time to go into that. Um, but further participants that drank just 25 grams of alcohol, um, or more per day had an increased risk of all cause mortality. Okay. So again, there's no benefit to any alcohol consumption. Okay. And at 25 grams of alcohol per day, we see basically a hockey stick effect right? Of increased risk of all cause mortality and so many other things. All right. The risk increased significantly, by the way, when participants consume just 45 grams of alcohol per day. And again, depending on which kind of drink you prefer, take a look at the numbers, Google it, figure it out, dig into the numbers and see, um, you know, about how much, how many grams of alcohol is in a given drink that you prefer. Um, and so there was another meta-analysis that came to essentially the same conclusion around this 25 grams number that found 25 grams of alcohol per day increases the risk of several cancers specifically. Okay. And just real quick, if you're curious about what this means, um, in the United States, one, what they call standard drink compares or, uh, it contains about 14 grams of pure alcohol. So that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, um, ounces, we're talking about grams of alcohol, not volume of drink. Okay. So in the U.S., when you're talking about 14 grams, so two of those, two of these would be 28 grams. That would be above that 25 gram threshold. Okay, so 14 grams of alcohol is contained generally in 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, one and a half ounces of distilled spirits in general, in general. 
Okay. So what does this mean? Much like red meat. Um, I, I'm not here to dictate. You are an autonomous adult human being. Um, you are free to do as you choose. Um, but perhaps the most practical recommendation is to consume less alcohol than you currently do. Okay. Um, and so uh, that would be that fifth recommendation as a nutritional strategy to reduce the risk of colorectal cancer, um, as well as many types of cancer and all cause mortality. Um, and so what that looks like for you um, is a question that I hope to leave you with. Um, chances are um, it's, it, it should be less than you currently do. Just taking a look at alcohol consumption statistics in the West, again, does not mean that you have to become a legalist. You can never have drink ever again. Um, I'm, you know, in the Bible, we see that Jesus drank on occasion. Okay. So I'm not trying to be more Christian than Jesus. However, at the same time, I'm trying to be mindful of research that points towards positive and optimal health outcomes. And as we've seen in this umbrella review, um, reduced intake of alcohol is associated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer. All right. So again, number one, increase fiber intake. Number two, increased calcium intake. Number three, increased yogurt intake. Number four, decreased red meat intake. And number five, decreased alcohol intake. All right. So with that, um, I hope that this has been informative. I hope it has been encouraging, um, being honest about some of these strategies around, um, things like cancer is what we are here to do. And so again, terrific study. If you want to take a look at that study yourself, but that is the summary of the five associations that are being connected to a lower risk of colorectal cancer. And so if this has been helpful, would love for you to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and uh, share with a friend, share with a friend that you like to talk about these sort of health issues with. We'd love to help as many people as we can for free. Um, and if you're on social media, you can find us at Imago Nutrition. That's I-M-A-G-O Nutrition across all your favorite social media platforms. And as always, we would like to thank the band Happy Pill for our theme song, Thinking About Food. We'll see you.